I want to be remembered as a servant, someone that's, I don't like the term boss. I just feel as though for whatever reason, I've been trusted to guide and make an impact in a lot of people's life. And it's a responsibility that I take very seriously. Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. Marius Tawimbe is a strategic, charismatic, and results-driven construction management professional with a proven ability to build strong, effective teams and inspire people to be better and make a difference. In this episode, we talked about Marius's strategy for building and developing high-performing teams and the skills that he looks for when he's hiring them. How to leverage people's strengths beyond their technical abilities and why emotional intelligence is the skill you need to develop if you want to rise to a leadership role. I learned so much from this interview and I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Every time we ask our clients, what else is needed to help make the construction industry more inclusive? We always hear the same thing. We need men to get involved. They need to understand what it's really like for women in the industry. But whenever we speak to men who want to be better allies in the workplace, they're often not exactly sure what they can do to help. And that is why we came up with our latest free training, How Men and Women Can Create Opportunities Together. In this three-part series, we dig into the differences between transactional and transformational leadership. We look at why we need sponsorship versus mentorship, and we discuss how to build more inclusive cultures. Most importantly, we share practical ways both men and women can start making change within their companies right away. To access the replay, go to ambitiontheory.com forward slash together And please share it with the women and especially the men that you work with. Marius, welcome to Ambition Theory Women in Construction. I am so honored that I get to interview you today because a couple months ago, I got to interview Susan and Nadia from Parmelo, who you work with. And in this interview, they kept talking about how you were a role model, how you were an example of what transformational leadership looks like in the construction industry. And I kept thinking, I'm like, I wonder if we should do a follow-up episode. And I wonder if Marius would agree to this. And here we are today. So thank you so much for getting out of your comfort zone and sharing your leadership experience with us today. Before we dive in, can you introduce yourself and share what you do. Yeah, thank you, Andrea. It's a pleasure for me to be here. I honestly don't know what Susan and Nadia were talking about because I think they think way too much of me. Yeah, you know who I am and really I'm a, I'm a God-fearing person. 
I'm a father and I'm a husband, a father of two. And my title is a pre-construction manager for Pomelo. But what I see it fortunate to lead a, a great group of people to, to win work. So that's what I do. And I've been in this role for Pomelo for the last four years. Okay. I love it. And can you tell me what you love about working in the construction industry? Yeah. So for me, it's about creating or building facilities that, you know, improve the quality of our lives and ultimately buildings that will be here long after I'm gone. You know, I live my life always being aware of my um, vulnerability, I guess, the fact that, you know, I could be gone anytime and I enjoy being able to work on projects that I can show my kids and say, you know what, your dad or your, your grandfather, you know, was involved in this project at some point in his life. So it, it offers me that opportunity to make a difference in people's life and build facilities and places that are bigger than me. I love it. And how many kids do you have? Two. My daughter, Sydney, was 11. She just turned 11. And my son, Jace, was six. I love it. So they go around and they see the buildings that you worked on, that you built. Do you drive them around the sites too before there's something there? In Toronto, we haven't uh, really had the opportunity to visit too many sites, but when I take them, we love going to Montreal to visit the, the city and and it's always amazing because they always see the pomelo blue everywhere in Montreal. I was like, oh, that's pomelo, pomelo, left, right. It's always fun. And my wife easily gets tired with that. It's not enough of all this pomelo stuff. But yeah, it's, I like it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I heard something when I spoke to Susan and Nadia, and they said, when you kind of started out in your career, you actually started out delivering pizzas, and now you are the <laughs> construction manager. Can you take me back and explain how this all came about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that wasn't really at the beginning of my career. It was at the beginning of my career in Canada. So we moved here in 2012, my wife, Rianne and I, and Sydney. Sydney was three months. And coming from the U.S., where I had seven plus years experience at the time, I thought it'd be really easy to, to get a job being a U.S. educated engineer. And with experience, I thought it'd be easy. But really everywhere I went, all I heard for about six months was Canadian experience. And after a while, I'm looking at my bank account dwindling down and not having enough money, you know, for diapers and, and milk and all that stuff. I said, man, I gotta, I gotta do something. So Pizza Hut in uh, Streetville, Mississauga was really my first job. And, you know, I did what I could to provide for my family. And I did so for about six months, uh, mostly delivering at night. And during the day, I would study the Ontario Building Code to eventually get my contractor license. And after that, I started my own small business. That small business, Hones Design and Construction, gave me my, quote, Canadian experience. And from then, I was able to apply to get a job and slowly walk my way to, to where I am in, in 10 years. Okay, I thought that within Canada and the U.S. that the experience would be valued, that you wouldn't have a problem. Tell me more about that. And I'm really curious if somebody had to give you a chance because it seems like everyone was saying no. And then somebody finally said yes. Tell me about that. Yeah, ultimately, someone had to give me a chance. And my chance came at um, at BotCon, uh, where they hired me as a junior estimators. But this was after me using the, the experience that from my own personal company 
as my Canadian experience, but Bot Botcon brought me in as a junior estimator and I, I took it running, said thank you. And, and within three months, I get called in by our, our vice president of estimation at the time and the chief estimator. And I'm like, uh oh, what did I do wrong? Like, oh, don't worry. It's like, it's not that kind of meeting. We just realized that we made a mistake and that you're not the junior estimator and you're senior estimator. So within the three months, my uh, contract was ripped. Uh, a new one was written with an adjustment in salary. I think it led to where I am. And after three years at Botcon, I moved on to be the chief estimator for Century Group in Mississauga, where I spent three years being a team of one, really having business development responsibilities, having to do my own takeoff, talk to all the subcontractors, bid and close all my jobs by myself. And the first year was hectic. It was crazy, but I learned a lot and I learned, you know, how to manage my time and really focus on what's important on the bid and, and learning how to prioritize. After three years, I needed a different challenge was for me, it was being able to, to manage people. And that's, that's when the Pomelo opportunity came and, you know, I thought I could do the job. I applied for the job and I'm surprised they hired me because I didn't think um, I had proven myself to be able to operate at this level. But I'm always very honest and candid. And I remember when I interviewed with my boss at the time, I was very honest and open about my weaknesses, the areas that I thought I would be an issue that I would have to work on. And I think they appreciated that authenticity and that willingness to be vulnerable. And afterwards they said, you know, you walked out of the room and like, who is this guy? We haven't looked back since then. I love it. So Marius, I want to go back to a little bit about the experience that you brought to the table. I want to go back to this idea that you didn't have what it takes to mm -hmm. work in the construction industry in Canada at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. You talked earlier about like spending the time, like understanding the building code, really getting the technical skills under your belt. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming that that's what they were looking for. They were really looking for that technical experience. Like, have they actually done this work in Ontario with this code, with this process? Is that what you were missing? Andrea, honestly, I don't understand it at all. Because when I look at uh, the construction methods in Boston or in Canada, it's the same. We're in the Northern Hemisphere. The climate conditions are the same. So I really don't understand why the doors didn't seem to open up for me. But if I had to go through the same path, I don't think I would change anything because I think all the experiences have formed who I am today. And today, I think when I interview people that are trying to make Canada a home that are coming from abroad, like Nadia or or Hamid or anybody else in my team, I think I always remember what it felt to be those people and having so many doors shut on you. So I try to open as many doors as can for people that are trying to, to make Canada home. I love this story so much, especially because everything I know about you is leadership. Like your strengths is leading people, inspiring people, holding people accountable, getting the most out of them. That is the skill set that I just in the little bit amount of time that we've known each other that is shining through, through me, like out of, out of you. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably what you do with your team. And that's really that skill set. So I just find it really interesting that the thing that you were lacking was that technical skills. 
But at the time, like when you first were kind of putting yourself out there, no one was looking for leadership skills. No one was looking for that transformational leader. And I think the times have changed. Like I think the skill set that you bring to the table is more unique than the technical skills, right? Like the uh -huh. technical skills you can teach people. Yep. But it's mm -hmm. a lot harder to teach people transformational leadership skills. So I think it's just really interesting. And I'm excited that I think the tables are turning and companies started to notice what you could bring to the table. And they're like, oh, actually, this person's very capable. Actually, we need to give them more. And that as soon as you got in the door, it sounds like that growth really started to happen because they actually started to see the value that you brought. So I think that's really exciting. And I want to just acknowledge your perseverance. I appreciate it. Thank I you. And, and if I'm being honest, like when I started this job, leadership was probably the thing that kept me up at night the most. I have always been good around people. I always love people. But I think between Century and Group and coming up, Pamela was a lot. I was very anxious about finding my leadership voice and style. And I remember reading a lot of books about True North or listening to Brene Brown and whatnot. At the end, it's like, just be yourself. And ultimately, what do you want to be remembered for? And for me, it was like, I want to be remembered as a servant, someone that's, I don't like the term boss. I just feel as though for whatever reason, I've been trusted to guide and make an impact in a lot of people's life. And it's a responsibility that I take very seriously. And then the second thing is I want to always be authentic. It doesn't matter if I'm talking to Pierre Pomelo, if I'm talking to Sandy, the intern in my team, I'm always myself. I want to remain true because I think whether people tell you or not, they have the ability to be able to sense if you, you be true or not. So authenticity is really important to me. The third thing is love. I love what I do. I love people and I wanted to, to show in everything I do. And I show it that by how passionate I am and how I care about what it is that I do. So love is always apparent. And then the last one is empathy, you know, because we are very complex human being living in a complex world and there's only one of us. So I don't try to differentiate people at work from outside because I know that things at home can impact the person at home. So I always try to always be understanding and try to imagine myself in the other person's shoe. So on a day-to-day -day basis, that's really what I try to do. And what I just said is an acronym that I live by itself. Servant, authenticity, love, and empathy. That's what I try to sell every day when I wake up home. I'm like, God, please help me do this. And I think in general, people respond to that and they've been buying it. When I started Ambition Theory over five years ago, I knew that if we genuinely wanted to make the construction industry inclusive for women, that change needed to start at the top. But five years ago, nobody was ready to hear this message. Something has shifted recently, though, and it's really exciting. Organizations are reaching out because they want us to do a presentation for their leadership teams, and in some cases, the entire company. They see that up until now, the burden of change has rested entirely on the shoulders of women. If this message speaks to your association or company, we want to hear from you. Visit ambitiontheory.com forward slash book a call to learn how you can book a presentation for your organization.
I love this. Okay, so a question about this, because Mm -hmm. your leadership style, like we always talk about leadership being a spectrum, like transformational is everything you just said, and you're embodying that every day. Really, it's about the team. It's about serving the team, holding them capable, inspiring them, Mm -hmm. all of those wonderful things that you are doing. And that and that it sounds like it comes easy to you now, but I know you put a lot of work into it, but this is who Mm -hmm. you are. You're on that more on the extreme side of the transformational side. And then transactional is more that authoritative, like I'm the boss, I'm going to tell you what to do, that top-down approach. But we Mm -hmm. know the dominant style in construction is more on the extreme side of the transactional. So what is Mm -hmm. it like to be a transformational leader in a transactional world? I think you're an enigma for most people. I haven't experienced any pushback, I'd say, especially here at Pomelo. People are probably most of the time curious about my approach and, and, you know, and see me as a trusted advisor. They have a different perspective or different way of looking at it. And they clearly know, because I'm always very candid about my feedback. They know where I stand and how I would approach it. But they also see that I have a track record of building strong teams and empowered teams. My teams work extremely hard and we're very successful team. But then the approach is different and like, okay, how can Marius take a different path and succeed? And then it's empowering people and and it's a relation focused and less transaction focused. What is it that he's doing that's working? So it's more, more curiosity, I'd say from people. So if you could boil it down to like, what is it? So if people are asking you like, what is it that Marius is doing because it's working? People first. What is it? (laughs) People first, I think we've, we've forgotten that, especially now we have a massive shortage of people. We're going to be in this wave of shortage of, of quality people, capable working people for a long time. I put a lot of focus in people. When I go and recruit, I don't necessarily recruit people for the technical skills that they have. I look for the things that I can teach them. How are you as a human? You know, okay, are you understanding? Are you a good communicator? Are you a good listener? Do you care about people? Do you love what you do? Do you respect? Do you have those ethics? Because I think the technical skills within uh, each, every company can teach them. Uh, and so I focus on people first. Whatever my team needs to do, me to do, that's what I'm willing to do. Not necessarily what the business needs to do. And, you know, because uh, I think if you're focusing on the business all the time, it can lead you to to make some pretty bad decisions. So I focus with people first and then the people always take care of me. I love it. So I'm really curious because you have a lot of unconventional people on your team. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about making sure they are up to par on the technical side of things? Because that is really important in construction. Like you actually need to be able to deliver on that side of the spectrum. But when you're bringing people in that like your focus is on their people skills, how do you make sure they are up to speed on the technical side? Yeah. So for me, uh, I've, I've, I've been doing, been in construction professionally for close to 20 years now. And, and, and as an estimator, probably about 15 or so. And the role of an estimator has changed drastically and continues to change. Before, it should be just you know, quantity takeoffs and, and pricing. But now, you know, you have to do risk analysis, you have to do sustainability, you have to do design, engineering. So it's very complex. And me always being aware of my areas of opportunities or shortcomings and, and, and putting them out there 
I try to surround with people that complement me. So I'm not an architect, but I know that, you know, as we focus on building more design build projects, I need people that have, you know, a more creative background and architectural background. Okay, let's go get some architects. And then we'll teach them how to do takeoff and what things cost. But then they have that creative uh, asset that they add to the team. I'm not a structural engineer. Let's go get one. They can review structural design and give an input. And let's go get a civil engineer. And, and, and so that's how I look at the team. Make sure that I get people that have, you know, different expertise. And then together, if we can align, you know, our be aligned in our accountabilities and what we bring to the team, we can be united. We can really achieve something unique. I love that you brought up architecture because that's Nadia's story, right? Like I remember that's right. Nadia being like, I'm an estimator, but I'm also an architect. And I remember when I first met her, it was like two separate mm-hmm. aspects of her. And it was like she she was an estimator, but it's almost like she had to leave that architect side of her at home mm-hmm. and I'll put a link to in the show notes for, of this episode so so people can you can go back and listen to it mm-hmm. but I remember her describing when she joined your team and it was like she could bring everything to the table like she could be her whole self she could really leverage that expertise and it's just the confidence I saw in Nadia grow mm-hmm. And, and I think she's got promoted too. Like you, that's right. About that, that's but like right. the growth that's happened in her, where it's like you're in an environment where like we value all of this expertise, and like it oh, was even in Canada, right? Her architecture experience was not in Canada, yeah. but I just love that you've created this environment where people can bring those skills to the table, and it's like, oh, it's not traditionally what we have on the team, but. I love that you're future focused, right? You're like estimating used to be this and now it's this. And I think what I'm getting from you and the way you build your teams is that you're actually preparing the department to tackle whatever the challenge is going to be, what the difference is in the next five, 10 years. So it's really cool. That's right. That's right. Because I think we it's always going to be changing and change is not easy. I don't think humans like change, we have to go through the change spectrum. But if you have people that have different strengths, it's easy to navigate that that change process. And I think that's what I, that's what I love. So for all of my team members, I always make sure that they, they know what it is that I value from them and, and tell them that, you know, now you're here, it's up to you to nurture those skills and then share with, with the rest of the team. So one of the things that we've done in the last couple of years uh, is uh, developmental Fridays because of our diverse background of experience and passions. So everybody comes up with a topic every Friday and shares with the team. So one week, Nadia will be talking about design or how to coordinate details. And then another week, Sandia will be talking about law. So to me, it's really interesting and I'm always amazed by the wealth of knowledge that we have around the team. I love it. So I want to talk a little bit about structure because transformational mm-hmm. leadership sometimes can be a bit airy-fairy, right? It's like, uh-huh. use your strength. Let's celebrate what everyone brings to the table. Can you mm-hmm. talk about what structures you have in place to actually implement all these wonderful things that you're talking about? For me, I'm a very uh, organized person driven by certainty. And when things are not in order, I don't like it. So the way I I operate with the team is, you know, circles within circles. 
So yes, we are a team and we all in the circles, but within the team, I have senior leaders that I, I meet that I've assigned some resources to manage. And then I meet with them, you know, very often I'm always available to make sure that I, I'm always in touch with the pulse of the team. So I seek feedback from the team about workload. What are we working on? What's coming up? And then we have a conversation about who's doing what we meet during the pandemic at the height of it, we're meeting really every day because it was important for me to see people, uh, even if it's virtually and see how they're doing and, and pick up on somebody language cues to be able to reach out to those that I, I felt maybe needed to talk to. Now that we kind of in a hybrid mode, you know, we cut him back on those daily meetings, but we try to meet at least two to three times a week and just have a conversation about what are we doing? Who needs support? Where are we going? What challenge are you experiencing? And then we hunt as a pack. Oh, I love it. So is there something that you do? I love this, like we hunt as a pack and you have this environment where people are okay to say, I need support. I am facing a challenge. What do you think it is that makes people comfortable on your team being vulnerable about where they need support and where they're feeling challenged? Because they see me being vulnerable a lot. So nowadays, a lot of my focus with the team is, is more about emotional intelligence. So I, when I do my developmental sessions, they tend to be about self-awareness, getting to know yourself better, because I truly believe you can be a leader if you don't know exactly who you are. So I, I, I talk to them a lot about how to get a better understanding of yourself and and em embracing negative emotions because they, they often lead you uh, or, or show you areas of your life where you need to do the most improvement. So I think they copy that vulnerability and they always raise your hand if they don't know. If you try to pretend you have all the answers, you often make mistakes. I love it. So this is completely different than this kind of ideal of the person in charge knows everything and has all the answers it's almost like your perspective is like the person in charge knows themselves and mm -hmm. is going to inspire the group to get to know themselves and when you create that environment it becomes this like exponentially strong team because everybody's bringing something to the table and it's like the sum is greater the sum of the whole is greater than the sum of the parts that's right that's right no i'll never be and i tell them often i don't want to be the smartest person in the room, but I, I want to create an environment, which is the job that I take seriously, an environment where people can feel comfortable saying, I don't know, without the fear of being judged. I love it. I, lo I love the no judgment rules. I love that you have that on your team. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Marius? No. So I, I think often people ask me, what what advice can I give you? What advice can you give me? And in the last two years, I grew up in Cameroon, in Central Africa, and, you know, in a society that views any matters of the mind as being taboo, saying you have a, a mental issue, yeah, it's not well seen. So I didn't really know anything about emotional intelligence until the last four or five years of my life. So I always encourage people, get to know yourself. Get to know people because people at some point, the further up you go in your career, it becomes less about what your technical abilities are. It's, it's a lot about managing people and you can't manage people if you don't know yourself and if you don't know how people think. 
So I, I tell people all the time, spend time getting to know people, spend time understanding, spend time listening. So that's the advice, really. I love it. Okay, so we like to end our podcast with a 24-hour action. That's something that people can get started right away. So that's something people can do a baby step today or tomorrow just to get started. So if people want to lean, I love this element of get to know yourself. So if people Uh want to start getting to know themselves a bit better, what can they do to get started? I would say uh, go listen to Brooke Castillo. She has an amazing podcast that's available on, on Apple and different platforms. She, there's a model she has that I live by. It's called CTFAR. Circumstances, thoughts, actions, results. All circumstances are neutrals. Really, your thoughts are what dictates your actions. So if you're able to manage your thoughts, it will directly impact how you feel and what you do and the results that you get. So on a daily basis, I have a lot of challenging situations that come my way on a day-to-day basis, but... I believe that now with some of the tools that I've learned from Brooke, I have the ability, you know, to manage my thoughts, manage how I feel and the actions that I take and ultimately the results that I get. So would the first step be to just start paying attention to your thoughts? Absolutely. Because our brain, especially if you don't manage your thoughts, they're like an unsupervised daycare, right? Imagine going to a daycare with 30 kids screaming left and right. That's how your brain is. I think... There is a stats out there that you, you probably have over 10,000 thoughts a day. And if you're not managing them, they can have a damaging impact on your mood, how you act and behave around your teammate. You may be a great person, but because you're having a bad day and you haven't been able to manage your thought pro- properly, yeah. properly you, you have a poor interaction with people and then they start judging you. Meanwhile, you just have other challenges yeah. that you haven't properly been able to. So yeah, just pay attention to your thoughts. And then question them. Don't take the thoughts for granted. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Marius, for this interview. I learned a lot and I just loved every moment of it. Likewise. Thank you. It felt like a conversation all the way. I can't wait to see how you piece this all together into a podcast. Hey, before you go, I wanted to take a minute to read a review of our podcast. This review is from Kinia from Canada. Andrea asks incredibly thoughtful, well-researched, and practical questions to provide actionable strategies for her audience. Her dedication and passion shine through in her preparation and delivery. Thank you so much for that generous review. We really love hearing from our listeners, and I'm wondering if I can ask you a favor. Can you take a minute and leave us a five-star review and a comment on Apple Podcasts? That really helps us to get the word out so that we can keep making episodes for you for free. Thank you for listening.